and we had a little bit of a discussion and I took my little brother and I had him up against the wall. You're going to the freaking, you know, and Teddy Hines comes flying around the corner. Coach, coach, you can't touch the students. You can't touch this. And I had my brother up like this and I looked at him and I said, he's my brother. Get out of here, Teddy. And Teddy just turned him. And I didn't see him for like the next couple of days. Welcome, everybody, Westcott Football Podcast. Bart Pasterna, man, myth, and legend, Coach Joe Loth. Pooch behind the glass. Hello. This, and we have a very <laughs> special guest, another former Westcott head football coach who has had a long career that has had him traveling all over this great country and even into the hinterlands as well. Chris Rippon's going to be yeah, with us. Without a question, a guy that I love getting these guys on that were here before I've ever been here, so I can really dig into the history of Westcon football a little bit. But he's the classic career coach. He's been doing this since he uh, basically got into coaching. He's been all over the country. He's been in the SEC. He's been in the Big East. been all over the place. Yeah, been a defensive coordinator, yep. offensive coordinator, special teams coordinator, head coach. We'll be back with Chris Rip on the Westcott Football Podcast right here. Don't you go away. Podcast is brought to you by Tactical Construction Services, LLC. It's a local business, veteran-owned and operated, that has been in business since 2005. Over 15 years of experience. They specialize in all your home improvement exterior needs and guarantee you a job well done. All the way from roofing and siding to windows, they're your guys. They strive to exceed the homeowner's expectations each and every time to get the job done the way you want it. They work in a timely fashion and always pay attention to detail, proudly serving Danbury and the surrounding areas. They're claim specialists. They provide free estimates. Call them today. The phone number, 203 460 2400. That's 203 460 2400. You can email them info at tacticalconstructionsvcs.com. That's info at tacticalconstructionsvcs.com. Or stop by their local offices across from Stoon Leonard's right on Federal Road. Coach Ripon, what's going on? Where is Barbara Stern? I don't see that little picture of him. I mean, I, I, can you I know, see me? Uh, I I don't. I just see because uh, we can see you right now. I can see both of you. Yeah. Okay. There you. Oh, son of a! <laughs> you look old. <laughs> <laughs> you talking to me or Bart? Bart. <laughs> I remember, I mean, you put on weight, your hair, I mean, come on. Yes, absolutely. The there's voice, a, there's the a voice confidence the builder right there. It's a good, it's a good life in Connecticut. Hold on one coach. second. Let me, uh... oh my God. <laughs> WPLR, whatever, I mean, come Brutal. on. <laughs> That's rough. It, it, well, it, I got to explain, because in my mind, when I was, Preparing to talk to you guys, I was thinking back to 1982. Yeah. So, I mean, that's the uh, 
that was kind of the mindset. I was 11 years old then, Coach. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was fun. But, Joe, thanks for having me on. No, I appreciate it. Like I was telling Bart before this, you know, you know, I've coached here in the 90s. Obviously, I've coached here in, like, after 2012. But there's a history of Western Connecticut football I don't even know. You know what I mean? And obviously with Coach P and with you and, and having Frank Leonard on here and Glenn Worthy and all those guys. And, and really, football kind of, if you look at the records and everything, football kind of started with you guys here. They, they yep. played, you know, 15 years and didn't have a winning record and, and kind of got serious about it when Coach P got hired and stuff like that. So I love hearing about, you know, WestCon football and, and kind of your guys there. And, and obviously, as a, you, got, you were a head coach here, so you got, you got some, obviously, I'm assuming you're going to have some pretty good stories here today for us. There's the Bart. There's stories. Oh, <laughs> but a, big, a huge coach rep, a big Southern Connecticut connection at well, Westcon at that you time. Know, you, you go all the way back uh, in 1981. Our last season at, at Southern. Um, when I went to Southern in '78, they were coming. You know, they had a great program in, in the '60s and, and '70s and whatever, and went down. And then they started building it back up. So um, George was there, George DeLeon. Paul was my position coach. Uh, he was working part-time. And then Kevin Gilbride came in. Paul became the full-time uh, defensive coordinator. And we had rebuilt that program. Uh, three and seven, seven and three, or six, four and one, seven and three. We graduated in 82. And the next year, Southern went nine and one or ten and one went to the playoffs and, and that kind of thing so our last game in 1981 i believe was against western really? and the score was 56 nothing <laughs> you know you you we had, and we had played them after we played central and we lost to central by like you know a touchdown and it was a big game at a root field so my whole mentality when uh, when we finally decided, when I finally decided to join Paul, uh, was, you know, these guys are just, no. <laughs> you know, I mean, we weren't great, but yeah. no. We, I, and I'm, I'm coaching against uh, players that I played against. Uh, and, you know, just the road up to how Paul got there, what the start was, and, and then the whole thing uh, was really pretty cool. You know, it... it and I'm sure Frank and those guys in, you know, that you've had on were uh were great at explaining it. Um but however I can fill in the fill in the spaces, I so, just so let how me know. so how did you ultimately decide to, to come work here with Coach? Well I I knew I wanted a coach. I knew I, I you know wanted to be a phys ed teacher, you know, high school coach, that that kind of thing. Um, had a really uh, a pretty good job in North Jersey lined up and Paul called. And as reflective of his ability to recruit everywhere that he's been, he started the pressure a little bit. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it, it, and it came down to you're never going to reach your goal as a high school teacher unless you have a master's degree. So come to Western Connecticut, um, get your master's degree, and then you make the decision of what you want to do. Um, we're going to use our defensive playbook from Southern. So you're going to have, you know, you know all the terminology, you know what's going on. Uh, so come up and help me do this. Uh, then he had Mike, Vulcan Mike Volcano, Mike Volcano uh, 
who was right in Brookfield, you know, he had played, he was a team captain when I was at Southern, uh, was a GA. He lived in uh, Brookfield. So he came over and he started working. He started to pressure and, you know, I mean, heck, I, I was in college. I had no money. What's another, you know, year or two, but I was not ready for for what that next transition was with, you know, not having money is one thing when you have, you know, student aid or, you, you know, you're living in a house on, on a college campus. Now, all of a sudden, you're, you don't have any money. And when you ask, uh, you know, about the salary, about the stipend, about those kind of things, and, you know, they're kind of shaking their head. You know, they, they, they didn't know what a GA was uh, when we got there. So uh, the first couple months we slept in the office and that was what, you know, okay, that's what you did. You know, Frank Leonard, we, I don't know where the facility is now, but we were at the bottom of Berkshire Hall and it was next to the secretary's office um, for the English department. And it was two rooms and one was fireproof that had a fire door and there was a, Paul had a big table put in. And honestly, we would kind of fight for who got to sleep underneath the table because the <laughs> the pipes above you would rattle from the bathroom that was right above us and the asbestos would come down. So if you weren't under the table, you woke up and you were all full of white. So uh, so that that's what got me. I mean, I had great respect for Paul. Uh, he, he was he built a defense. Um he was a no-nonsense guy, very focused football-wise, and you know, hey, I'll t- I'll take a shot at least a year. How how uh, how shocked were you with how much different coaching as a young coach was as opposed to as a player? Like, well, again, I think the 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 way Paul approached coaching was what I had learned and what I had expected, which was night and day from Xavier High School in New York City where we took a bus to practice. Um, So I knew how Paul operated. I knew what the expectation was. Um, He integrated in this to me, you know, when I work with younger coaches at, at different places, he took that educational model. We were, as position coaches, we had to write out lesson plans. So there would be a top, what was the objective? What was the equipment that you needed? What were the, the things that were going to be spaced out? And that's what we spent coaches camp for two or three weeks doing, was writing you know, lesson plans like you did for PE class for preseason camp. Yeah, so a great, so, great introduction to coaching for you then, right? But, it really was. I mean, and if you forgot something to, um, you know, whether it was how many cones it was going to be or, you know, but here's the objective, how are you going to get there? He, he would correct that. And um, the transition for him to go from being the defensive coordinator at Southern and having, you know, look, when he was at Cheshire and playing for Joe Pa at uh, at Penn State, which really was the foundation, you know Jerry Sandusky, Joe Paterno, Paul was in the second class of Joe Paterno at Penn State, wow. so he got it in the beginning. This is this is the way it was going to go. Um, so yeah, you, the the foundation, but I I knew that I knew that as a player, and I was able to have success because of the mental aspect. You know, I wasn't a, the, the best athlete, the biggest guy, all those other things. 
So you had to find where you were going to have success, and it was the mental part of the game. So the transition for me wasn't, you know, wasn't that hard. Guy like Frank Leonard, yes. <laughs> you know, <right? laughs> and I know I spoke with Frank a, a, a couple of weeks ago and he had mentioned being on your podcast and he's like, you, you know, you got to go on it, man. It was the best thing ever. <laughs> uh, Coach is very entertaining on the podcast. <laughs> Rip, Rip, the, the, not only the Southern Connections, um, Coach P leaned into the Cheshire Connections, too. To uh, to bring people down and get people involved in the program, that's it, it wasn't going to happen overnight, but certainly it helped make it happen a little bit sooner than some may have expected. Well, you got John Adams came in right, big offensive tackle starts right away. Pat Hackett, the best athlete we had on the football field, um, and Scott Haney is a running back. I mean, those were three, and Jeff Haskell was another offensive lineman, just not at that same level. So we walked in, Paul had four kids from Cheshire that were recruited at Southern or Central. And by far, they were, they, they were football players. You know, the kids that we got in 1982 at Western Connecticut, they liked football. What Paul was able to do with our staff is to recruit players that had a passion for football. And that was really the the foundation of where did you go from all those years of losing to within four or five years winning 10 games or going to the NCAA playoffs? We had kids that were football players that loved football and every little bit about it. So, Coach, Um, some, some of those guys you took over you know what I mean? Those those holdover kids from the previous staff and stuff like that. How how did those guys react to the uh, culture shock? I guess slowly but surely, but but they kind of got it because it. You know, Paul was the center, and we were learning off of him. So we were just, you know, verbatim taking it to them, and and we were you know close in age, and we had success at. at you know, they knew it's Southern or Central. Um, they learned that there was another level, and they started to, to you know, to buy in. The Chucky Snyders, uh, the Pepe Vawas, uh, who were, you know, both captains for us, that, that uh, 82 team, uh, they helped the transitions. You know, this is pretty good. You know, we might not be winning, but there's a reason why we're not winning, and we can see why we're not winning. And everything was so structured, and that second group that were going to be seniors uh, in, in 83, they got the full dose of it because now all of a sudden you're in an off-season program. They didn't know what an off-season program was. So now all of a sudden, you know, the the – weight program the running program the agilities all of those things under division three i I believe it was a class you know uh, at at that point to get to that level so you were able to transition those guys that were on the fence the other kids that weren't were off uh, but they were in for a rude awakening too i mean when we when we went out recruiting in 1982 after the season in in the winter of 1983 and the characters we brought in i mean it, it, nobody 
there was whiplash throughout all of the Midtown campus facility. You know what I mean, Mark? In the dorms, right? What the (laughs) heck? In the dorm rooms or, you know, I mean, uh, quick story on that. So I recruited New York City, okay? New York City, Long Island, Westchester. And um, so I recruited a number of players, but two in Matt Donato, uh, and I, he was from Queens, and Berkeley Alexander, the Bear, right, Bart? Oh, baby! Okay, from Bayside <laughs> High School uh, in, in New York City. Berkeley was maybe five ten, two fifty, two sixty, just a block, and the quickest kid you ever saw. So, and I remember this to the day. I mean, and the, uh, I'm sure I'm going to go off on tangents, but. Our first game in 1982 was against Maine Maritime, right? I mean, come on, Castine, Maine, we're up there. I mean, the, the level of football was a step down and everything else, and we lost to them. So they come to Western to open up the season, and we had breakfast. I'm sure you guys, I don't know the facilities yeah. now, but we were in, in the dining hall. We were eating first, and their team bus was waiting. So as we're leaving, they're coming in, and they got this arrogance about them, which absolutely drove me. I mean, you're Maine Maritime, okay? You're not Notre Dame. You're Maine Maritime from Cassidy, You beat us, I get it. So I'm making sure that the kids are all out of the dining hall, and I'm waiting, and they're starting to go up in out walks, Glenworthy, um, the bear, and if you saw the look on these kids' faces, like, what the hell? You know, what is going <laughs> on here? <laughs> this wasn't the team that we saw last year. And we're walking in, and then when we come out, and, um, you know, the team probably was 85% white in 1982, and then it was probably 50-50 with all young kids from all over. I mean, Massachusetts, Connecticut, uh, New York, New Jersey. And uh, and we won. I mean, we won at the, at the Midtown Campus Field. And it, and it was just that realization. And I think the kids also had part of that. You know, they saw we're getting serious here. You want to play football Western, you, you, you got to kind of love football. Is that when you as a coach kind of figure out, hey, we, we're in the right direction too? Yeah. Well, you, you got rewarded as a young coach um, experiencing the recruiting process, you know, how hard it was, but how important it was um, developing the relationships with the kids, with the parents, with the high school coach, staying on top of them uh, at that level. Um, and I don't know if it's changed, but, you know, you would get excited when a kid sent in his deposit. Yeah, no difference. You know, I mean, they, they, there's some interest there. And then they, you know, here's the application. Hey, we got an application in it. Oh, his deposit's in. Yeah, we have the deposit's in. Let's go celebrate. And then the kid actually shows up on <laughs> campus in, the, in you know, for preseason camp. It's like you want to have a party before you start practice because you got the kids on, you know, they're ready to go. Uh, but, yeah, that, that was – Again, the continuation of what I experienced when I first got to Southern to what now was the beginning of what was going to happen at Western. Coach Rip, I got to point one thing out though. You mentioned Scott Haney. It's really Scott Matthew Haney. He listens to the podcast, so I, I don't. I don't want him getting mad at me. 
Was he, I, I, and I love Scott, and I'm going to make some comments about guys that I haven't seen in 40 years. Okay. <laughs> but Scott didn't belong at the Midtown Campus Field. Scott belonged at like, you know, Choate or, or <laughs> Amherst or, you know what I mean? He was that clean cut, you know, great looking track football guy. And, um, you know, he was playing in the blue and white. And, and it was, uh, yeah, so I could see the name change, Mark, you know, and, and, and it was, uh, and it goes back to my point with Berkeley, Alexander, Matt Donato, and those kind of guys, Joey Vifor, that there there was that integration of all football players, and that was what brought the team together. Um, you know, the development from a coaching standpoint was gaining the confidence of Paul to do what I, to do my job you know I, I i mean that was a career goal was once it was no longer high school you know this college stuff is pretty good um working with the secondary but then assuming some responsibility of coordinating and being able to have a discussion with him on strategy and you know, again, it was just like we were talking about recruiting. You know, if I if I could say, well, let's adjust this way to this, and he like didn't just give me that look, like you know, okay, no, we're not doing that. When he gave some credibility to it, that enhanced my wanting to do more. Now, coach, what was your kind of career at Western? Because I think you were you here twice. No, uh, but I had three different jobs. Three okay. different jobs. Yeah. So, what was your career at Western? Four jobs. So I got in there as a graduate assistant. Okay. Um, my second year, I became a um, counselor at the Westside campus. They had just put up that apartment-style dormitory. Yep. Grasso. Grasso Hall. Yep. So I was a assistant dorm director there. We don't want to go there. That, <laughs> that, was, that was nuts. Um uh, and you know my really my first exposure to outside of athletics the whole uh, college you know administration and staff and their perception of what football and football coaches are and and, and all that so working that dynamic but it was a free room I I, I was appreciative of that uh, then I became they created a position. Uh, director of intramurals and club sports. So I was a full-time faculty member oh, at that nice. time. So within the third year, yeah. and then after the fifth year, uh, was given an opportunity to be the head coach. Nice. Yeah, so, it was great. Yeah, so you definitely know, grew, right? Was, Your position grew but, as you were here, right? Yeah. It, well, you can't embark, you know, back me up or, or go against me on this. <laughs> But, you know, you kind of saw how it was. The, the guy behind it was Frank Muska. And, and I have not followed Frank. You know, I heard some point that he had a little off the, off the side of the road a little bit. But uh, Frank was able to convince uh, President Feldman to take a shot, get a full-time coach. And every step of the way that there was a there was some success, Frank or Paul was in Frank's ear. We need this. 
we need this. You know, the game, the home games weren't played at the Midtown Campus Field, right? I mean, we were playing at Danbury High, and we have this soccer stadium, and, and nobody's there. So we we were able to get games there. And, of course, we were the ones that were responsible for turning in, on and off the sprinkler. We were the ones that were responsible for uh, behind the press box for putting up the uh, the thing for the film. So Saturday morning, each coach had a responsibility. Uh, you had responsibility lining the field, lining the practice field, doing the video. You know, Morris Petrasio doing the uh, started out as the laundry, but then Leo Moore came in. So it, it was an evolution, and Paul would push Frank. Frank would get to Dr. Feldman, and at the same time, our kids weren't getting in trouble, or at least not enough trouble that – it was going to get to the hierarchy of the administration. So I think as the, 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 it just worked out the right people at the right time. Yeah. Well, Dr. Muska, coach Rip, Dr. Muska saw the, the fact that the university at that time needed to, uh, to have enrollment increase. And if you're going to have plans to expand dorms, Yep. Who's going to put bodies in the in the dorms? Because Westcott had a reputation of being a commuter school. Yep. So yep. Uh, Dr. Muska was a guy who, uh, and, and this, you know, down down the road, it ends up getting President Feldman in, in in trouble a little bit because the faculty are like, well, you're you're catering. No, we're not catering. We're putting students in the dorms. We're increasing. Enrollment, male enrollment was very important at that time because there was a great disparity. So, uh, right. so in many ways, Dr. Muska was a visionary, and yep. and Paul Pascaloni was the muse. <laughs> yeah, that, that's right. And, and it was also not only the male population, but the minority population at that time when we first got there. So, I mean, it was go out and, and recruit. Um, and we had some really supportive faculty members. I mean, we had people, of course, that were going against us every step of the way. Um, but it was a concerted effort. And again, the we put in mandatory study hall. You know, we reached out and we, we asked faculty members to give us time for tutoring or to assign somebody for tutoring. So it was done at the with the model of the bigger schools at a, at at our place. So, you know, you can't say just bring in a dumb jock and win football games. That wasn't the case. We have documented, you know, you have study hall at this time, you have this thing to do and all that. And Walter Bernstein, uh, who was in charge of the counseling program was, was really big. Um, and two or three other faculty members that just really helped the divide within the faculty and what we were trying to accomplish. So, Coach, talk a little football here. We talked about Maine Maritime. Okay, let's talk about some some big wins. What, what were some of the big wins and maybe some some uh, games you, you guys didn't quite get over the hump, but then you got over the hump with? Well, I think the most significant game in, in the time that we were there was a rainout game against Bridgewater State in 1980, maybe five or six. Okay. And 
storms were coming in. It was going to rain Saturday, potential, you know, tornado or whatever. Um, so they, we were going away. And Paul wouldn't let them cancel the game. It was not going to get canceled. You couldn't, and I couldn't understand it. You know, I mean, Bridgewater wasn't doing well or anything else. Um, we have to play the game. We have to play the game. And, and, and I didn't get it until later on in the season. We needed, it was the year that we went to, to the Division Three playoffs. We needed that win. We needed that win to get the ranking in order to be eligible for the NCAA uh, playoffs and, and went there. I think any time, um, uh, you know, we we had main maritime, mass maritime. But we, we the the Plymouth was the game, you know. Plymouth was, uh, and, and Joe Dudak. Oh, yeah. You know, I mean, it, it, and I'm sorry, did, did Frank get into the Joe Dudak? He talked about Joe Dudak a little bit. Yeah, he definitely yeah. talked about. It. Well, Frank was out of his mind, you know. I mean, <laughs> Joe Dudak, you know, who is Joe Dudak? You know, and he would get into the kids' faces and everything else. And and they were. That's what it came down to. We built it around the fact that we were going to beat Plymouth State. You know, they were. Uh, I think our mentality was we were going to be good, without being. Uh, I, I want to put this word the best way I can without being cocky. Um, you know, they, they, that's just who they were. They were, you know, you, you, to a person, I think in our program, we all wanted to punch them in the face. I mean, you know, coaches, players, anybody else, they just had that smug attitude. Like, eh, eh. um, that was a really big game. And, and, and of course the, the biggest game in, in our time at, uh, at Western was the playoff game against Montclair State. You know, in, in I know personally, I felt we made it. I mean, Montclair State was really, really good. We're playing against Sam Mills. Yeah. We're playing, you know, we're at Southern, and and you would play against Montclair and and maybe lose or or win. They were that caliber of a program. I felt that that's when we made it. You know, Coach, we were a legitimate program. Coach, you remember playing against Sam Mills? Remember how good he was? Or I mean, oh, that's heck. Something- yeah, yeah how, I mean, how, he was a different cat. It, it, you didn't get many of those. I, I thought if we had a year, one more year with Merv Mosley, he was that kind of player. Merv yeah. Mosley was, you know, as fluid a DB as, as a corner as I've as I've seen around there. Division one, division. I mean, division two, division three. He one more year of development. Now, I think he had a chance, Bart, you would know, yeah. um, if he had a chance in the NFL. Um, you know, he was that caliber of player. Yeah, where was and he me, from? What high school was he from? Do you remember? He, he was from New London. Yeah. Okay. As crazy as that was. Yeah, I thought was, there was a play. You know, we had a kid. He was awfully good, Coach. I mean, he was – you could just tell. And Coach P would always, always just say, special guy. <laughs> I'm like – Okay, I get it, Coach. Special so who, guy. who are some of the other guys on defense you coached that, that were? Well, that I were... thought Richie Marquot was a kid, uh, a really good player. He transferred in. He he was not a serious student. Um, <laughs> you know, you, you had Anthony Grant, who transferred out of UConn as a running back. He came to us. Nat Middleton put us on the map. I mean, he was just what, he such, what position did he play? He was a quarterback. Yeah. Okay. You know, we ran the wishbone at that yeah. time, and, and – 
he had run it in high school and we didn't he got recruited by most of the division two and division three schools in the area and and paul had a relationship with the high school coach and he he came in um and mike mcgora when he transferred in and he was our fullback i mean we had a legitimate uh backfield i mean from from running the triple option and I, I teased all the people we play, but back in 1984, 85, you know, with the no huddle now and the check with me's and, and the RPOs and all that other stuff, Paul was running that stuff on offense in 1984, 85, 86. I mean, we were in the wishbone, so maybe it's a little bit easier, but we, they would go, you know, and we would give a hand signal, India or chief, so right or left, quarterback would get underneath, we'd get the number count, and boom, we're going the other way. Um, so we, we went fast. I mean, and that's in 85, and now they're talking about it in, you know, 200 or 2015. So, Coach, with the, uh, with the triple you guys ran at Western in the 80s, how much was that shown in the freeze option Syracuse stuff? Like, was some of that brought to Syracuse, or was that kind of a whole different No, I think, I think, George, it's a great question, but you'd never know between Paul and George. Yeah, I mean that what that that relationship and I was I in my life. I mean George recruited me. I played for Paul. I worked with him many 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 years. The level of football knowledge that those two have and the connection that they had with the ability to communicate, it's off the charts. Yeah. I mean it, it, it's just so. I think why. We ran the triple option, I believe Paul said, because um, Central Connecticut. Yeah. Remember, Bart, who was the who's the coach that that was at Central, you know, until 1982 or whatever. Um, I forget his name, but yeah, it depends, it's it's yeah, I think Frank said that on the last podcast that, you, he, that they brought up from Central. Yeah. And he, you know, again, he's at Penn State and they're playing Oklahoma. Yeah. I mean, you know, they, that, was, it, that was the thing. But you didn't need, at that time, you didn't need big offensive linemen. You needed athletic offensive linemen because you weren't blocking three of them. Right. I mean, you're you're yep. inside releasing. You're reading the, the the you're reading the five technique. You're pitching off the defensive end. So that's two that aren't going to get it. You got somebody on the inside linebacker, and you know, getting somebody's way on the perimeter. And the quarterback was the um, you know was the key. And we were fortunate to have. And again, you can't take away from the players that we had in the backfield. And we always had one one or two really legitimate wide receivers that you could run you know run past and and the protections we were paul didn't have and i took the offense over when i became the head coach um you weren't doing a lot of protection drills you know it was basically all turn protection yep. or play you, action pass did you stay in the triple when you took over as head coach? i stayed in the triple and yep. then we started to evolve a little bit into the freeze option concept but it, it would take another year yeah. so we kind of stayed with what we were doing now, now, after Western, like like we were talking when, before you got on, uh, you're obviously a career coach. Like you've been a lot of different places and a lot of different yeah. journeys and, and uh, a lot of success too, though. If you can just kind of talk about your path from Western and kind of where you're at, to even where you're at now, because I know sure. a lot of people would obviously be interested in that. Well, I um, 
so we we were at Western. Paul went to. Uh, <laughs> we were at Western. Lisa and I we had dated for eight years. We got married, and we cut our our uh, honeymoon short because Paul asked me. He said he have to get here. He had accepted the position at Syracuse. You know, George had gotten there with Coach Mack. Nominated me for the head coach at at Western. Uh, was at Western for three seasons and was up for tenure uh, as a faculty member. So that's a great, you know, anybody that's been in education yeah. says you, you get tenure. Mm -hmm. you know. Unheard of as a coach, too, to get tenure. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, we had just had our son, our first son, uh, and um, I got a phone call from a good friend of mine, Steve Bush, and he was the defensive coordinator at Boston University, and uh, he was leaving. And Chris Palmer was the head coach. Would I be interested in being the defensive coordinator up there? And I interviewed, and that was a career choice. And, you know, some days you look back and you say, that's a bad mistake. You know, I, I went up to BU. Um, but for, I, I kind of got the football bug, and I wanted to take it as high as I could get it in college. I, I never ever wanted to get into pro football. Um, and again, another career change. So I went up to Boston University, me, Lisa, my, old, my oldest son, Christopher. Um, three years later, we were fired and I had three other kids. I had <laughs> twins. So we had another son and two girls and within three years and was for the first time in, in my career, I was fired. And if you want to look back at that, you know, you could have been at Western and tenured and working two 16 week, uh, you know, semesters and everything else, summers off. That looked pretty good at that point. Uh, but Paul uh, had assumed the head job at Syracuse the year before and uh, swung by. We were living in my mother-in-law's in Trumbull, and he stopped by on his way back to Cheshire, and he said, don't worry about anything. He said, you know, I got a bowl game, but, you know, just. So I was brought up to, um, to Syracuse in 1983, and in they had just gotten done losing to or beating Colorado. So they were I walked into a program that was preseason number four in the country. Wow. We still have Marvin Graves or I mean, it was 93, 94 ended up being rebuilding years. Um, in 95, I was given a chance to be the special teams coordinator as well as the linebacker coach. And um I had a guy by the name of Marvin Harrison. You guys know that name? Yeah, pretty good player. <laughs> yeah, he wasn't bad. So he was my first All-American, and I all of a sudden became a, a special teams guru because I had a first-team All-American uh, who schooled me. You know, he, he would catch kickoffs like this instead of, you know, put your <laughs> pinkies together. And I asked, I said, Marvin, you know, he said, Coach, I catch 200 footballs a day like this. For what? Five times, maybe three times. No, I, I'm going to catch that. Did, okay. Did that get? You know, did that but, drive Coach Pasqualoni crazy? Him catching <laughs> like that? Yeah. <laughs> and, and, if, and when he would come and say, you know, why this? Because he here's the reason. Uh, so I was very, very fortunate that uh, as a special teams coordinator in the team one, we went 95 to the Gator Bowl, and then we went we went to a lot of bowl games. Uh, coached at the the first one was the Fiesta Bowl. Then the next year, the Orange Bowl, Donovan McNabb and Keith Bullock and Dwight Freeman. Great players. Had an opportunity to become the defensive coordinator. There were, there were 
from night I was there from 93 through the 2004 seasons and of course had opportunities because of our team success to go other places but I loved the fact that my family was in one spot we weren't moving And, and I at that time the NFL was not for long right which changed <clears throat> completely now. But so we were able to stay there. Um, my final year uh, associate head coach, they let us go and um, ended up coming down to the University of Mississippi with Ed Ogeron. <laughs> coach and, uh, yeah, Ed and I coached together at, at Syracuse for th- two years. So he got the head job at Ole Miss, so we moved down here. And we were here for three seasons. Uh, they fired them. And um, housing crisis, the whole nine yards. Have to find a job. Excuse me. Well, the kids were in junior high and just started high school. And housing crisis, we get a job at Rutgers. And uh, so we moved, but we kept the house down here. Rutgers, Marshall as the Rutgers as the special teams coordinator. Go to Marshall as the defensive coordinator. Still have the house here. Now the kids are starting to filter back to go to school at Ole Miss. So my kids transition to the South being home, and in my mind, it's the Northeast. Yeah. So there was kind of that disconnect there. Um, had some really the 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 second year where I was at Marshall, uh, we had a player by the name of Vinnie Curry. And I think if if I looked at my career and said, okay, what was the best job you did defensively? It was probably that year because I came, our system was make it easy for Vinny because he's the best defense player in Conference USA. So we started making our front calls to the field. And if it was in the middle of the field, it was left. So Vinny was going to get lined up because if it's on the hash, he knew no matter what, he was going to the field. And if it was in the middle of the field, he was going yeah. to the left. And even if he didn't do exactly what you asked him to do, he was such a good player, he was going to wreck havoc. So we were uh, there for three years, then went to Columbia, which I really enjoyed, uh, being back in New York City where I went to high school and you know lived a couple of years. Um, and then we, they brought in a new coach. I was hoping to be that, – that was a career goal be the head coach at Columbia, you know, be that guy that turns the worst program in America into (laughs) follow the Yankees down, you know, the, to uh, down Broadway, you know what I mean? With a championship at Columbia. Of course that didn't work out. And I was able to come back to, um, to the university of Mississippi. And when I got here in 2015, they were rocking and rolling and I went to the sugar bowl. So I was at three of the top four bowl games. Uh, which is pretty cool. You know, the rings are good. I don't think I've ever worn them, but they were pretty good. Um, so from 2015 through 2019, I uh, was the special teams coordinator here and an associate athletic director. 2019, we were fired, and Lane came in, did not retain me. COVID started a business, Coach Rip Consulting. Uh, where I help high school specialists get recruited and you know work them through their journey. A uh, good friend of mine from Columbia uh, took over the head job with the Edmonton Elks up in the CFL. Oh. 
we were going to downsize anyway. The kids are all doing fantastic. You know, let's go take a shot up in the CFL. Well, that was a train wreck. <laughs> it really was. Were From you there the, last year? Were you there last year? Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah well, not, well, I think Will Arndt was up there with you, wasn't he? Yep. Yeah, our former quarterback of West Count was up there. I know helping out. So we're, um, you know, I they I didn't last the season, which was okay. <laughs> um, it was really okay, and um, we ended up thinking we would live in Texas. Three of our four kids, and now four the four kids will be living in Texas, wow. and it just was too busy and too crazy. Move up back to the Northeast, but you know, how are you going to see the kids? You know, logistically, it wasn't there. My wife said, I want easy. So we moved back to Oxford, Mississippi. Same house? Miss- that, that same house? That same original no, house? No, different house. Okay. We were able to downsize. <laughs> okay. You know, it, it was, uh, it, it, you know how God works. Yeah. You know what I mean? Just just follow the path. So Coach. we were able to find a, a real nice house. All four kids are here for, uh, we're here for Christmas. And uh, so I'm running my business and I, I, I look at opportunities uh, I would love to coach again, but it's got to be the right, yeah. you know, the right fix. The coach, right fix. we want to take a, just a little bit of a break to thank some of our sponsors. But uh, when we return, I want you to hang in there because when we return, you know, you brought up names. You worked for, for Palmer at, at Boston. Yep. You, the, the quarterback guru, the quarterback whisperer. He, well, I got to tell you, you that story local, because I local. never ended up working with him. Ah, I, I, I know, but he's, he's, he was the whisperer and a local guy. So I, yep. I want to find out what what exactly happened. Yeah, happened I'm, there. I'm good. But then you're bringing up names, you know, Harris and Curry. And, yeah. and the bottom line is on your resume, there are so many impressive names that you have worked with, impacted. Uh, so we want to bring them up as we continue our chat with Chris Ripon, former WestCon coach. Now he's the guru for <laughs> for kids out there who are trying to get uh, some some opportunities in the collegiate ranks. So we'll be right back with the Westcon Football Podcast right here. Don't go away. Folks, today's podcast sponsored by Vision Designs. Vision Designs, a full-service screen printing, embroidery, signage, and promotional company offering their services to the tri-state and New England regions. Since 2003, they've had the reputation as an industry leader in all their fields of operations. Vision Designs, proud sponsor of Westcon Football and the entire program, my friends. You can contact them through their website, visiondesignsct.com, visiondesignsct.com, or you can call their main number, 203-778-9898, Westcon Football Podcast returns. Bart Pasternak, Coach Joe Loth, and former Westcon coach, and now the... They whisper, <laughs> they, they special talents whisper into the uh, the ears of kids, parents, coaches out there. Chris Rippon, thanks so much for for being with us again. And uh, when we left, I said I, it, I need to get you to talk about some of those those extra special people. I know it at WestCon you brought up some, but it you almost kind of sort of hooked up with the the quarterback whisper in, in Coach Palmer. At BU, but things did not go as they should. You know, I knew 
again, it's a Southern connection type thing. Steve Bush, who was one of my best friends, played with Paul. We were we were three-year starters in the secondary at, at Southern. And where I went with Paul, Steve went uh, with Coach Palmer, with Chris Palmer. So when Steve decided to leave BU, you know, call Rip is what he said. And Lisa and I went up and, and we interviewed and I was – uh, expecting the call on Monday and, um, you know, whether I was going to get the job and then, you know, what the pay was and everything else and, uh, no call, you know, and, and that was, I guess, a prelude to my career, you know, when's the phone going to ring? Um, so I, I called Steve on Tuesday. I've been trying to reach coach Palmer. Well, he left to go with Kevin Gilbride down to, I think Houston is where they were or Hawaii. I don't, I don't remember which one. So Danny Allen took over the head coaching job at BU. And there was also the connection of the coaches at Holy Cross and Paul and myself. We worked their camps, uh, Mark Duffner and that staff, Kevin Coyle, um, Dennis Goldman, who was at Southern and, and was there. So there was that connection there. So when Danny got the job, you know, will you come up and will you do it? And, um, you know, they, they, Danny coming off the great successes of, of Holy Cross at that time. Um, and I had made, I, I, by that time, I, I had made the decision that I want to see what, what major college football was like. You know, I, I mean, again, a, a guy from Xavier High School in New York City that football, you know, we didn't have a field. Um, to Southern Connecticut, to Western Connecticut. What's big time football like? You know, it, it, from a playing perspective or coaching in in that kind of thing. So, um, again, I, I, I'm blessed that my wife is who she is. You know, I mean, who takes that? Who turns down tenure and a 20-minute drive to her mother's <laughs> to go on the lamb to live in Boston with – it actually took less money from what we were made at WestCon to work at BU. We go with one kid. Three years later, we got four. We don't have a job. I mean, it, it – but I wanted to be around the best because I didn't – I didn't know going in until I started to learn at Western um, what football was about, what competitive football was about, what really went into it, um, and, and the whole ball of wax. That's what Paul exposed me to, and I wanted to see if I couldn't make it, you know, what would my imprint be? And um, so the, the, years at, um, the years at at BU, we had some success. Uh, but not as much defensively as the head coach wanted. Um, and then again, yeah, it, it, I, I was – Coach Mack put Syracuse back on the map, and then he went out to New England as the head coach, and he took his staff with him, Norm Gerber and those guys, and Kevin Coyle was the defense coordinator at, at Syracuse, and we had a really, really good staff and really good players. And, um, you know, the, the best player – and I you guys might remember, uh, especially Bart, there was a linebacker at Syracuse named Danny Conley. Oh, yeah. You know, 6'4", 230, 4'5", 4'6", rockhead, phenomenal player, right? So 
here's my first spring at, at, at Southern Connecticut, still doing lesson plans. Because when I went from BU to Syracuse, and they said they just won the Fiesta Bowl against Colorado in preseason and everything else, I'll never forget my interview with the athletic director. And he said to me, Paul likes you. Paul wants you here. Paul deserves to get who he wants to a point. But understand this. If you don't succeed, no one else will ever get a job here that doesn't have Division One experience. That's what he said to me. Oh, okay. Thanks for no pressure. <laughs> Welcome me into the, you know, <laughs> okay. Um, so the very first inside drill and I'm coaching the linebackers, and there's Danny, and there's I forget who the I mean we had we had good really really good players, and we had Kevin Mitchell, all American, as the nose guard, and I mean we had big I mean we were loaded, and I'm standing behind the linebackers, and I swear to God, they run the isolation play, Joe, and you'll know what I'm talking about. The gap, the B <laughs> gap, was like the size of the field, and my. It, it, my heart dropped. I'm starting. My palms are getting sweaty saying, how are we going to close this thing? I mean, they're so big and I don't care how good Danny Conley is, but you know, in like that, boom, the gap closed, the linebacker fitted, the fullback, it, you, you, it was like a thunderclap. And then the, the pursuit, just everything went and it got dark. I said, okay, now I, I know where I'm at. Yeah, big time I, football, I, right? I belong here, yeah. you know, and, and the pinpoint passing and all that. Um, so we had some great players, um, Co hey, coach, great players, great players make great coaches. Coach, I'll say this about Syracuse, and I know we talked about this briefly before, uh, but I, I think what you guys did at Syracuse and Coach Pascaloni and, and you guys and the staff, what – you know, you guys being let go there is one of the biggest mistakes a college has ever made in making a coaching transition. They haven't recovered since. What year was that like? What year was 2004? 2004, they let us go. I think they had, what, two or three winning seasons since then, I, w I would guess. You know, I I've seen the same thing at Indiana with Coach Mallory and, and, and once again, Coach Solich at Nebraska following Coach Osborne. There's been some schools that, you know, you get really good. Like, you guys were really good, and for whatever reason – I don't know how that wasn't good enough at Syracuse, but what they did and what you guys accomplished at Syracuse is as good as it's ever been at that school. Right. Well, thank you. And it, and it was. And I think it's just, again, the development of college football programs in particular that have transitioned more to a business model than it has to. And the outside forces that are – kind of work themselves into uh, the decision-making process. Um, you know, we, we were in 2001, um, we had played at the insight.com bowl and we were really, really good. That if, if I look at my career, the 2001, uh, Defense. I was the defensive coordinator. We were, I think, ninth or tenth in the country. Who were your guys in that defense? Who were your best players? Uh, well, Dwight Freeney, <laughs> pretty good player. Uh, Keith Bullock, <laughs> Dave, um, um, Anthony 
uh, Anthony Smith, Diamond Ferry. Um, I mean, we had dudes, right? I, 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 you know, Christian Ferrar was a nose guard. Louis Gatchlin, a kid out of Florida. Our, our defensive line was Duke Pettijohn, a Connecticut kid. Uh, you, if you could get to them on Tuesday with a little bit of a tweak in the game plan that you'd like to have, and, and you repped it, we were phenomenal. I mean, they and just the the play. Um, so we went to 2001. We had a great, you know, great team. 2002, you know, you lose a quarterback. Um, <laughs> that's a pretty important position. So you have to develop that. So 2002 was the first losing season, I think, in, you know, 12, 13 years. We were five and seven. So we're, we're, we're rebuilding. We get that. Uh, 2003. Um, we're back. We have a winning record. 2004, we're back. We're two, we're, we're, the best players are sophomores. So 2005, they'd be juniors. 2006, we were as excited as could be. We had all the pieces there. We were ready to go. And um, Jake uh, Krauthammel, who was the AD, he had resigned 2003, kind of pushed out. You know, Jake's old and we're, we're better. The whole mentality was, you know, we think we're better than we really are. We can do better without old Jake who yeah. built the basketball program and built the football program. Uh, and then our chancellor retired and they brought in a new AD and a new chancellor. And they said, you know, it's not flashy enough. And the alumni, there was one guy in particular, uh, who just whose son wasn't playing and he was frustrated and got in their ear. Um, we went to the, I forget what, uh, what bowl game it was. So we had eight bowl invitations in 2004. One of those bowl games was played before uh, Christmas. The others were all after. So the new chancellor decides that we're going to go to the one before Christmas. And not only that, it was two days after finals were over. So we're battling finals and practice and everything else and not prep, no prep, not as much preparation as our opponent who has been out of school for two weeks. We go and we play in the game. Um, we lose. We, we didn't play great, but it, I, I think that was kind of part of it. But, the mood was how great it's going to be because we're going to be back to us yeah. in 2005. We got all the pieces. Everybody was excited. Uh, got that phone call. Get a phone call on December 27th, our anniversary. And Paul just called and he says, Jesus. they're letting us go. Come on in. Did you guys, do you think they played that game early on purpose? Looking yeah. back? Yeah. Like they knew, yeah. they knew what they were trying. It was already. It was, it was sabotage. It, yeah. it was just, you know, hey, we're changing the regime. We're going to come in here and, and, you know, we know better. Um, and it, it, the, the, the entire athletic department was devastated. Yeah. I mean, they rolled out the car. Whatever you need. You know, they set up a, a uh, an area for us off campus for all the coaches. They had the phones brought in, the computers brought in, anything that could help us with getting a job. Um, you know, it, the contract, we'll see it all the way through, and here's your bonus check. I mean, they 
everybody around it was devastated except the new athletic director, the new chancellor. And they came in and they went one in one in ten with a team that we really felt, um, you know, that we would have we, we would have been successful. And, and that was it, also the, the, the end of the Big East, yeah. you know, the decision to make it to uh, to go into the ACC. We originally said they wanted us and Virginia Tech. Um, schools in, in the Big East said, no, we're not going to go. And then BC goes behind everybody back back and says, we'll join the ACC. And then that kind of crumbled the old Big East. You know what's funny is is your success at Syracuse got you in the ACC, right? Yeah. right? I mean, if you guys were not winning games, you can see with what UConn, you know what I mean, what, where UConn sits right now, uh, for whatever reason, not in the ACC, but – yeah, like I said before, you know the job that you guys did there, and what just shows so much more now, how little success they've had since you guys have not been there shows what such a great job you guys did when you were there. Well, thank you, and I, and I, you know, there were a lot of great coaches and great players, you know, and, and throughout my coaching career, um, you know, there's a direct correlation to staff continuity in staff morale at least there was you know you you had to be a cohesive group as opposed to individuals and and paul that was the way it was i think when i got back to old miss in 2015 hugh freeze had that yeah um you know guys wanted to be together yeah. you know and in opportunities you you the opportunity that you leave for has to be really really good you know i'm not just moving to move yeah. or i'm just not moving for the pay i i there's got to be a reason in in uh um, hey, hey coach i got a question for you yeah coach orgeron yeah i've heard some stories about when he took over at <laughs> Ole miss i don't know if you want to get into any stories at all but i've heard some stories through the grapevine about some old miss um, when coach o was at Ole miss how was he to work for <laughs> For me, it wasn't bad for this reason. I, I I knew Ed at Syracuse, and I was the defensive coordinator, special teams coordinator, and defense coordinator. He was the D line coach right there. Yeah. Yep. And um, Ed gets a bad rap in one regard. Ed is a really, really good person. He really is. He is a, a sincere and caring. Uh, guy now is he rough around the edges yeah you know I mean uh, he worked he worked for some phenomenal coaches in, in national championships Coach Carroll uh, and those guys right yeah Coach yeah. Carroll and before that down in Miami yeah you know and coming well, up to right. work yeah. with Paul and I mean he worked with, and the thing that you have to say about Ed is he learned from each of those guys because then by the time he gets to LSU He's got one of the top three to five teams in the history yeah. of college football. Yeah, phenomenal. I mean, I played it. We played against that team. Yeah. That team was, and we played them at Tiger Stadium in Death Valley. I mean, <laughs> he <laughs> probably ninety percent of the things that um, you hear are not true. Yeah. You know, or they're embellished. Yeah. Um, but is he? He's a passionate guy. Is what I've always heard. He's passionate, and and he was, you know, he was, when he came to Syracuse, uh, 
he was not ready for the culture that we had. I mean, he had been at the U. When the U was the U, he was right in the <laughs> middle of those, you know, the who they came out of the tunnel and they're running through stretch lines or they're, you know, getting yeah. ready to punch Notre Dame kids in the face. I mean, all that, he's right smack in the middle of it. And he comes to Syracuse, which is, you know, I mean, we were I, probably at that time we were still wearing ties yeah. in the office. I mean, it, it, it was culture shock. And there was an accountability that we had that, you know, you were responsible for your players on the field, but you were responsible for your players in the classroom too. So when one of his defensive linemen would get the word got to Paul that he wasn't going to study hall or he wasn't doing something and you got to go meet Paul in his office, his office, main office, and then off the main office is where he did all his football work and everything else. So, when you walked into Paul's office and the secretary said, no, he's back there, you took a big swallow and, you know, you, your hands started to sweat. So that was culture shock to Ed. Um, but he is uh, a phenomenal defensive line coach, did a heck of a job as a, as, as a, uh, a head coach at the spots that he went. He wasn't. He won a national championship. Won a national one with one a great team. Now yeah. the other side of that coin was in um, 2007. Okay, and I don't know how much you guys know about the Southeast Conference or about Ole Miss and Mississippi State yeah. and the Egg Bowl. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's right. So in 2007, we're beating Mississippi State 10-7 in the fourth quarter. It's fourth and one on our own 45. And Ed says, "Let's. We're going for it. We're going to put the dagger in them. What? Punt the ball. Change the field. Yeah. They haven't done anything. Why? We had a what? It, so a lot of coaches are agreeing with Ed because you know they're afraid. But <laughs> and I said, Coach, you can't. No, no. As the that, yeah. <laughs> that's not no. And." Um, and he, and he got he got mad at me. I mean, he got and he called the timeout, and we're talking about it on the phone, and everybody's saying yes, and I'm saying no. I said, Coach, it just Ed, it, it makes zero sense to do that. You know, why would you? Well, you know, we're going to show him in the egg bowl, and you know, and then that that deep yeah, voice yeah. that everybody in America knows about. <laughs> well, that was coming out, and I'm sitting there, and I'm trying to hold my ground, and praying I don't see him coming down the sideline this way because I could be up in row ZZ. And well, sure enough, we go for it. We don't get it. They come back. They kick a field goal. Oh. We kick off. They kick off to us. Three downs. We punt it to them. Return it. Score on the next one. Now it's 10-10. They kick a field goal with a minute left to go. We lose the game. And you get on the bus, and, and I texted my wife. I said, get, you know, we're done. <laughs> There's no – you don't lose the yeah. Egg Bowl like that. Yeah. And uh, so it, it was a uh, – it, it was an interesting game. That's definitely, been some good definitely games. a moment in time you're never going to forget, right? That 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 conversation. Yeah, right no, no, no. There's and there's, you know, sometimes you look at, um, you know, in our business, in my business, you know, you kind of see the cracks starting to come, and you hope that somebody can plaster it and keep you there. And then there's yep. other ones that are just gaping. You say, you know, there, and you gotta, um, 
you know, you got to face it. And, and uh, the hardest thing about this profession at this level, uh, at the Division One level, is is the kids. You know, your kids, because it's you can handle it as an adult. Your wife can kind of handle it, and it's really hard on her because she's the person in the middle. But when your kids are sitting in school and their classmates are saying things that they don't understand, but they hear their parents saying it, and, you know, you guys stink. You should be fired. Probably, especially down. Probably, especially down south, like in. Yeah. In, in, in Ole I mean, Miss, right? or when it happens, yeah. why it happened? It, it, it's that's the that's the part when you talk to young coaches or wannabe coaches that say okay you know there's a lot of great things i can show you my 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 ring box i mean from bowl games and the bowl watches and the and the t-shirts and all that other stuff but i can't convey to you what it's like if you have a family and on top of all that i'm gone so when it when we got let go at um, Syracuse, I'm in I'm in Oxford, Mississippi. My wife is the one that's back up north. She's selling the house. She's getting all the school records. She's getting all the medical records. She's getting the moving van. She's got to get on the plane to come down because I'm not buying the house. I'm not going to say, "Oh, this is my house. You come down." Uh-uh. <laughs> you know, you guys are you don't do that. So the strain and the stress. Um, that's the negative side. From all the positives, that's the negative side. You know, but the, the thing, if you look at your career, what's awesome is your ability to be at Syracuse that long, at, you know, with your kids. I mean, that's yeah. that's the rarity at that level. It truly is yeah. a rarity. So I'm sure you look back on the ability of just cherishing those, the continuality you had right there. Well, it, it really, Joe, it, it, I, again, I've been very, uh, very, very fortunate, um, friends and family, but the situation with even at Ole Miss when they let go of us after that egg bowl, but we didn't sell the house because of the housing market. And my oldest son who came up and played at Rutgers who had an injury, well, he came back down here. He had spent, you know, four years at, at Oxford High. He transfers back to Ole Miss. I go to Marshall, the Twins if they had stayed in Huntington, West Virginia, they would have been in four schools in four years, four high schools in four years. We still have the house here. So they're back down here. So all four kids, Lisa, we're in the same house as we were in 2005. They're all graduates of Oxford, Mississippi, and they love, I mean, this is their friends, their high school friends, their college friends. And how does how does that work? You know, now I'm up in yeah. Huntington or New York City or whatever, but... Um, I'll tell you the other thing, which is unusual, is the difference between Oxford, Mississippi, and Huntington, West Virginia. Now, <laughs> I'm from I'm from Northeast Ohio, and I had some friends from Southern Ohio, where the Inns are down there. It's a different world now in West Virginia. <laughs> it was it, it it really was you know and Doc was great. Doc Holiday, he um, I came in when he got the job. He hired me. He he would he had worked at West Virginia for a number of years, and then of course went down to uh, Florida with with uh, Coach Meyer, and then got the job. in he's a West Virginia person. Um, and Steve ended up 
not being able to do it. And he said to Doc, you know, listen, I'm not taking it, but this is the guy you got to get. So I was done with Rutgers and looking for, for another job. So I go over there and uh, different world. You know, you watch you, you, you watch We Are Marshall, right? I mean, one of the great movies, great stories in uh, how the town and the city came around it. And, you know, it's a football playing, uh, you know, great, great program. And then you live in Huntington, West Virginia. Yeah, I know. You know, I was a GA for a guy named John Tenuta. I'm sure you know John. At I S- know John. Yeah, I knew John when he was the linebacker coach at Ohio State. Yeah, he's a, a great guy. But he, yep. I, rem- I remember he told me once that he got a job at, at, at Marshall. And his wife told him, we ain't living here another year. Like, we are moving after, he might have been there two years, but he had an ultimatum, like, you cannot coach here another year. Uh, yeah. 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 They, they, <laughs> they, um, they were passionate about uh, uh, about the Thundering Herd. And, um, you know, they've done a really good job. They just built a uh, an indoor facility. But, yes. I, Se- seems like they did the same thing to Doc Holliday, though. That It seemed like that was kind of a suspicious – not suspicious, yeah. but are they going to look <laughs> back and, and, uh, and regret, regret getting rid of Coach Holliday? I, I, yeah, there's a distinct possibility, but that, that even goes further. See, Doc's father was a judge there. Oh, no. West and the Virginia. governor, <laughs> the governor of West Virginia and Doc's father kind of. Wow. And so the, you put the political aspect into And definitely a place you can that. see where politics in that part of West Virginia could be an issue. Beautiful country. Really good people. Very poor. Um, very poor to those areas around there, too. It's, you know, driving you know, through there, it's crazy how poor, uh, you know, Appalachia really is. Yes. Yes. It, it, and it would be, um, yeah. I, I think, you know, there's other places like Jersey City or Newark or, you know, places like that I'd rather live than, than to go back to, to Huntington. But the passion, um, that they had and we had some success um like i said that that 2000 and uh 2010 defense that we had i mean they they and again do we the i had a linebacker uh who's in coaching right now who never should have been a starting player in division one football but he was so smart and he had that leadership presence that he would get everybody lined up and he wouldn't matter. He, he, I mean, he'd get into Vinny's face, you know, this is what you're going to do. He was that guy. And uh, his name was Tyson Gale and he's in the coaching ranks right now. Um, You know, when you're, as you know, Joe, as you develop through your career and now as the head coach at at, at Westcon, when you get that sense and the confidence of who, what players you have and how you can put them together, you know, what piece goes where to make it a whole, even though they might not all be the same talent level, when you get that piece, the, those pieces together to make the puzzle, uh, you know it and you know you're going to have success. And then when you have the great, the really good players, but you can't get them into the right spots or yeah, make them right? the right thing. Coach, before it, we it, wrap up, Coach Ripon, we'd be remiss because you're still helping kids today. And when folks, stretch out the T-shirt a little bit there, Coach. There you go. There's the 
Marvelous looking tea, but there's <laughs> but there's. I'll a lot. send you one, Bart. You got to send me one too. If you're going to send him one, <laughs> I'm going to send it to you. They'll be in the mail. <laughs> I'm, I'm big on it. yeah, absolutely. That's look, look, it'll be free advertisement. How's that? But that's, but the bottom line is, explain exactly yeah. what you're doing now and how they contact you. Okay, so. Um, I'll give you a little. Do I do I have time to give you a little? This bit is a of podcast. We have like another week and a half on here. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I, I'm I'm not retained. The uh, pandemic starts. What am I going to do? Um, in a player, uh, a kicker that I had recruited at Old Miss, who's right from Oxford, whose mother is the mayor, whose father is an attorney big old Miss booster. We gave him a PWL for a walk-on and they were all set. Well, transition is staff. You don't have to, you know, there's nothing signed. So he no longer has a place to go. So dad calls up and says, Hey, you know, rep, can you, can you help us out? So I help him, you know, get in touch, had the best way to get in touch with schools and, help him design his highlight video. So I, I took the knowledge I had for the previous five years of recruiting kickers, punters, long snappers, what I wanted to see. You know, everybody thinks, hey, show the lightning bolts and the clouds and stop it <laughs> exactly. and here's the circle and on oh, what kind of music are we going to play in Nothing the coaches minutes. You know, yeah, here's here here's 17 minutes of uh, PATs, right? <laughs> exactly. When in reality, I have coaching to do, I have recruiting to do, and I have, you know, 1,500 kickers, punters, long snappers. Give me, give me your best and set it up so I don't have to think. Here's your, here's your kickoff. What's the distance? What's the hang time? Give me your next best one, your next best one. Here's your punts, distance, hang time. So I help them consolidate that that's in the coach's mentality as opposed to what you think the coach does. So I helped him out and he recommended me to somebody else. And I started to have develop relationships the way we used to when we recruited and probably Joe, the way you recruit now. Yeah. Okay. It's the development of a relationship Connecting with, a with, kids. with his parents, with his high school yeah. coach. And you get that interaction, which I really appreciated which no longer exists in the division one football. Now it's money, right? It's the NIL. That's, that's the, and it's a one year deal because you got the transfer portal. So that my coaching model is gone. So now I get to do this with high school kickers, punters, long snappers, and occasional position players. Um, and I get that interaction and I have great success again, because I've done it. You know, I know what the, yeah special teams coordinator at Western Connecticut wants to see and how much time he has. He does not have seven minutes to watch you kick PATs. So you're trying to run any little camps too, or is this all kind of like, I, I haven't, this is, this is all, um, again, the, the model was developed during the pandemic. Yep. So there's with social media, um, I've been able to make, the connections and develop the initial part of the, the relationships and uh, and cultivate them from there. Um, you know, my, my computer, uh, I, I'll meet with a player. I, I won't take on a client until I meet the player and the parents. And we're going to sit down and they can say, I'm, you know, we'll pay you 
to be this consultant if you guarantee that he's going to get a scholarship anywhere or he's going to go here you know no okay i i good luck i'm not going to do that but there's so many parents in in good players out there and they understand that they're sons are not position players so whereas you're recruiting a linebacker that's got 500 snaps a season versus a kicker that's got 70 they're not going to give you a full scholarship but opportunities are going to arise so the better course your your senior year in high school is very very important and i've had success like uh i have a kid that's at notre dame i have a kid that's at oklahoma i got a kid that's at bc uh, I've got a kid that's going to Wisconsin. I've got a kid that, you know, is it Rice and is it Tulsa and uh, numerous other schools. And so, I also have kids that, two of my favorites, one is a, it went to a Division two school in Michigan because he wanted to play early. Okay. And you wanted some scholarship money. Well, then you're not going to be a Division one player as a PWL. Let's look at so, these So, athletes. Coach, are you calling up like a Notre Dame special team coordinator and saying, hey, listen, nope. I got a guy. So how how is how is the process work then? Okay. So you, if I called you, Joe, I said, you got to take this kid. He's the greatest sense, thing since sliced bread. A, you would never take my call again because <laughs> unless, you unless won't he tell was. me what to do, right? <laughs> uh, and B, if I told you that, and it didn't pan out. Yeah, that's the problem. Well, I can't call yeah. you for another kid. So I give them the tools to reach out to you. Yep. And what after a undetermined amount of time or whatever, but there's sincere interest on your part, what I will do is I will communicate with the coach um, as a referral based yeah. on my experience. Yeah. So as a coach of, I believe, high integrity for 37 years, I'm telling you, he's a kid you want in your program. I'm not telling you he's the answer to skill-wise what you're looking for, but here's a kid that I got to know and who parents I got to know that you want, A, in your meeting room, B, in the weight room, practice field, or whatever, and C, he's going to do very, very well for you academically to help the team GPA. And as we both know, Coach, some some of these – specialists are, are characters a little bit now they are and, and and i would say that because i'm not going to get to you joe until i really know him. yeah and that to me is again why did i want to be a college football coach because i love the relationships it, it was teaching it was just like my dad was the head of the, you know was my the head of the science department at xavier high school and he was able to get me to learn he was a great teacher and, and he was great with all the different kinds of, uh, of students that we had. So that was my goal. This is what I get to do. So I know if a kid's a little bit of a wise guy. I mean, we, yeah. heck, between Bart Pasterna, Timmy Camp, um, and who was the writer at the newspaper? Tom Tommy George. George. Yeah. Okay. And Leo, the equipment guy. All right. <laughs> I deciphered through my experience in Western Connecticut a lot of different characters how they can mesh together. Um, I had to mention those guys because Co- I can't think of Western Co- Connecticut. Coach Rippon, do you know who the athletic trainer was last year for me? Mark Allen, still. Still there. 
still the smartest guy in, in all of that initial Western uh, <laughs> Westcon group who said, no, I'm not going to go anywhere else. I'm going to put my feet here. I'm going to get tenure and I'm going to stay and be the uh, how's Mark doing? Mark's doing great. He's got, He's doing great. Absolutely. Absolutely. One of the best. And you brought up and you brought up Leo, of course, because uh, <laughs> he is a he is a legend from back in the day. And, uh, you know, there there have been a lot of guys who who did hang in there for for quite some time. Leo is yeah. there one um, a Leo successor. Coach Trimpert has been around for for quite some time right now. But uh, and Timmy got succeeded by uh, by Scott Ames, who's been here for uh, for a long, long time. So uh, there, I remember there, Scott. Yeah, and, there and have been some folks who've, who've I've, hung in there. Obviously, Ed Farrington told about what five years ago was the AD sure. here too. And I'm, I know you worked with Ed. That's right. Yeah. That's right, Ed. I, I, I mean, I remember um, writing a letter of recommendation for Ed because Ed was a Southern guy, and then mm-hmm. he was coaching and teaching in high school. He was a, yep. he at one point worked at, at Southern. Um, the Western Westcon, I think the the players in any of us at, at that point um, are going to have fond memories. It, it, you know, you talk about a great way of starting your career. Why? Why did I take this? Why did Frank Leonard continue? Why did Steven Dazio continue? You know, the the people. Morris Petrasio is one of the top high school yep. coaches in the United States. Yep. He was on that. Billy Bono, who's up there, and uh, so it, it 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 was just a great place to start. And Joe, we're we're anybody that that appreciates the program and supports it are really really glad that you're there. I yeah, mean, well, it, I appreciate it, that. And like I said, I love hearing that. And that's why you're on on today, just to kind of dig d- deep into this history a little bit. And and obviously, <laughs> you know, I probably wouldn't be here today if you guys didn't kind of get it started back in the '80s and. And then I came in the '90s, left, and came back. But it's all kind of ties together. No, but, but it how's, does. How's, it, the it's food, how's the food in Oxford? I'm worried about you, Coach Rip. Right down there. Well, never been very uh, culinary. My wife is very, very <laughs> frustrated. Um, I had my shoulder replaced uh, three months ago, so I've been very regimented in my lifting and running workouts. But never able to raise my hand above here. For Is the that last your bad fifth. shoulder, the one you're doing? Yeah. Nice. So now I can go. Now I can take a jump shot again yeah. after 15, 20 years. Um, anytime you have an opportunity or think you want to come, you have a place to stay, both of you. It is <laughs> a great town. And you're coaching. It's a classic college town, right? Because if there's ever a game time experience that, that you want to be a part of, um, this is it. You know, everything that you read about or see on TV or everything else about the Grove and about and actually the the first time in my 17 years being around or connected with Oxford last fall was the first time I ever saw the Grove from a spectator standpoint instead of the Walk of Champions. Yep. And um it it, it was really, you know, it was really cool. Um and I just imagine how, uh, you know, why people come down here. I mean, it, it is a, and hopefully, uh, you know, Ole Miss continues their success. Yeah. You know, uh, some of those players there were the ones that we recruited, just like with 
you know, at the end of Coach O's reign in the next year, they came in and they had success. But, um, you know, at some point, maybe we could talk about being in the SEC because, yeah, you know, a everything that, deal now, right? And you get Texas and Oklahoma. The, the, the chance to play in some of the stadiums that we play in some of the venues, you know, whether it's LSU or whether it's Kyle Field. Texas, Texas A&M, yeah. No question. Yeah, we had my kicker had a walk-off field goal to win it at Kyle Stadium in, in 2016. That was pretty cool. Yeah, my first coaching job was a GA down at SMU and going to Texas oh, yeah. A&M back then. That's when they had the giant midnight yell and before the, uh, the yep. accident and stuff yep. like that. And they played yep. us at SMU one year. And I take I had some friends in town, and we're downtown Dallas, and there's like twenty thousand people cheering downtown Friday night before the game. My friends like, man, you got a lot of SMU fans. I'm like, these are A and M fans. We had like six thousand at the game, and they had like seventy thousand at the Cotton Bowl. Yeah, I mean it's it's crazy. It it's a um, you know go to Auburn. We beat in two thousand fifteen. We beat Alabama at Alabama, Oof. and we were covered two kickoff. We kicked off twice and forced fumbles, and were covered on the kickoffs twice against Alabama in one game. And uh, you know, the, 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 but honestly, the, you know, with the places you've been, and I say this to every recruit that I've ever had, and every play, player and parent that I speak with now. All of that stuff is great, but if you're really a football player or you're really a football coach, I mean, that passion we talked about earlier, when the foot hits the ball, it's all the same. It's all the same. It does not, you know, take – you can throw that up, but when the foot hits the ball to start the game, I it, I could be at the Midtown Campus Field uh, or at – uh, you know, Southern has their field. We used to play at Bowen Field, the local town uh, in New Haven. Um, football is football, if you love it. Yep. That's why you want to recruit those kids that just love football. That's the primary kids yeah. you want to recruit. Uh, good character. There, there could be some cracks, but ultimately <laughs> accountable. And, and, you know, you're the, the, the better players you have, the better coach you are. You know, you, no you want – I'm going to leave you with this. The absolute, absolute best player that I've ever been around. And there's so, I mean, it's by an inch or, or less than an inch, microscopic with, with the players. Uh, Patrick Willis. Patrick Willis was the most humble, focused team leader member of the team player um i i, I was i mean and i again there's been a lot of great players that i've coached or or been a part of but that guy unbelievable yeah. just the whole package the whole 100 percent humility you know p willie would never say i'm the best linebacker that's ever been at, at Ole Miss, but he's in in 37 years. Bullock was different in the sense that he was a faster, twitchier guy. P. Willie, yeah. Well, Coach, we appreciate you coming on the podcast today. Really do. Well, I enjoyed it. 
Thank and, you. And, uh, Thank you for now having that me. you're retired or not really retired, but not coaching the fall, maybe uh, maybe you come up to a game. When does the season start? September 4th, that weekend, is our first game. We only have four home games this year, though. I think September 29th maybe is our first home game. Yeah. We have four home, six away, so it's going to be one of those years. Wow. Road Warriors. We, uh, did Ed Farrington set that one up before he left? <laughs> you know what? You know what? <laughs> that, was, that was one of those COVID, uh, you know, we were supposed to play William Patterson home and away, but it, it kind of got off because we didn't play one year. So that mm-hmm. home and away got off schedule with the Albright home and away. So we got, yeah, it's not ideal for home and six away. We got to do what you got to do, though. Well, did Teddy Hines have anything to do with that? <laughs> no. No. <laughs> no. Oh, well, you got to hold on. Just like with Scott Matthew Haney, Hall of Famer Teddy Hines. Hall of Famer Teddy Hines. Yes, the late great Teddy Hines, Hall of Famer. God bless him. He was, I mean, you know, I'm sure Frank and anybody else that you talk to has got Teddy Hines. God bless him. Yeah. I, I didn't know he passed. No. Um, yes, 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 he did. And there was, I think he got in the Hall of Fame because of the one time he was coming back from a WestCon Coast Guard game and he stopped his car in the middle of the interstate to uh, go see a man about a horse on the uh, side of the road. <laughs> Coach, uh, I think that's. I think that was a prerequisite for getting in the hall. For... Are you going to cut this out? <laughs> okay. We'll have to wait and see, right? Uh, so, when we were living in the in our first year there, and we were all living in the, so you would have to go take a shower, and the shower <laughs> was right by Teddy Hines's office on that second floor or the first floor, however you look at it. So Teddy would go into his office, and we would be in the locker room and come over and jump in the shower and Teddy would come and there wasn't a stall. It was a toilet and here's the shower and he would go and he would sit on the throne <laughs> and talk to you as you're showering. <laughs> coach, coach, what do you think about, you know, you're not good enough that you're not doing it for the kids. The kids have to, you know, I'm like, Teddy, I'm showering, man. I slept underneath the table. Do I really need you to, you know, you to be here doing that right now? He, uh, he hated Paul by the end of it. He hated uh, Paul. Interesting. Yeah. You're lucky. You're lucky. He didn't try to call a square dance yep. in that, in that tight space. Oh, well, Pooch, this he, might be the lead story for, your, for the podcast. <laughs> so, that little blurb you put at the beginning. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so my, my younger brother comes to Western, and um, we hire him. As, it, it was my third year there. Maybe my second. Anyway, we hire him to be our video guy. You know, we didn't yeah. have – we needed somebody to do the video, so Paul was able to get more money, financial aid for him, so we're going to video – he's the video guy. And he's friends with all the kids on the team. Well, he comes in one morning and he says to me, I'm not going to be able to go to Saturday's game. I said, what? You're not going to go to the game? He said, oh, no, we got, a, we, we got a rugby game. I'm going to the rugby game. I'm going to play rugby with the team, and, and I can't go. So tell Coach Pay. I went, no, 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 no. So my younger brother's five years younger than me. I said, that's not what's going to happen. So my office now was where Teddy was, and Teddy's right next door. And we had a little bit of a discussion, and I took my little brother, and I had him up against the wall. <laughs> You're going to the freaking, you know. And Teddy Hines 
comes flying around the corner. Coach, coach, you can't touch the students. You can't touch this. And I had my brother up like this, and I looked at him, and I said, he's my brother. Get out of here, Teddy. And Teddy just turned him. And I didn't see him for, like, the next couple of days. I, he, <laughs> Uh, um, and did did your brother go to the game? No, really? actually, Paul was okay with it. I'm like, who told you know, who told I, Coach P you or, or him? Oh, I dragged him down. <laughs> I dragged him down. Yeah, I had he, to. Yeah. He was. I mean, it, it, yeah. There, I, I I wish we had more time because I there's it brings back some great memories. It really does. And well, I appreciate it, Joe, really. Yeah, I do. definitely. It's great having you yeah, on here. Yeah, we're going to have to have Rip Part 2 down the road. No question. Well, I, I, would, I would love that. It's it's funny if, depending on how things work out, um, my wife wants to go up to uh, Trumbull to see her mom yeah, in uh, August. So maybe we can. If you, if you do come up, make sure you swing by camp or whatever, or any, you know, something. Yeah, I will definitely let you know. If I'm up there, I, I believe me. I'll be looking for things to do. Yeah, awesome. yeah, no question. I understand that. Enough said right there. Yeah. yeah. Rip, okay. thanks so much for being with us. Best of the family. Oh, thank you very much, Bart. Yep. Joe, it was yep. great to, yep. th- great again, to meet you. And best of luck this season. I'll be keeping an eye on anything I can ever do. Yeah, you appreciate know, it. I've got a lot of old film and a lot of old playbooks. <laughs> yeah, um, I may be calling you some special team stuff this summer. I'd be happy to help the, the – yeah, we've look, done some pretty good have, things. Have you, done, there, have you done any quarterback punt stuff, like offensive punt? We left that to the quarterback coach. Okay. You know. Yeah, because because we have a uh, we got a great long snapper. Our punter graduated, but our punter, our starting quarterback, was a a punter in high school. So some people use that kind of offensive punt stuff, where you're, you know, keeping your punt team off the field, fourth and short yep. kind of stuff. Yeah, I think we we did, we you know put that in, but I didn't coach the kickers. We just yeah. put the system in. Yeah, um, I'll be giving you a call here. Yeah, no, I thought we did. we we had some really good things, and surprisingly, at this level, depending on the head coach that you work for, the the you would expect more time yeah. that you you know you had good decent meeting time, but on the field time because they don't. I know your offense runs fast, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah, you, you're yeah. getting plays, and you do a great job with that. The problem is head coaches or offensive coordinators don't want players on special teams because they don't want to get them tired. Yeah. You know, you have to practice at that tempo and that speed. So now you go out into special teams, and you're saying, you know, you want to cover 25 yards three times, and, the, and everybody's getting all out of shape because, you know, they're going to get tired. Well, you know, what do you want? So there are some, some things that we developed with that in mind to be able to hit our objectives, special teams-wise, yep. half-line type stuff, quarter stuff, um, that I thought was, you know, was good stuff for that, for, for an offense that's going to go fast and a head coach that isn't crazy about full cover kickoffs or yep. that kind of stuff. Yeah, I'll definitely be reaching out. But appreciate you yeah. appreciate you coming on today. Oh, and and uh, I took up a lot of your time, but I appreciate it. I <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, enjoy the rest of your summer here. You too. It was great seeing you again, Bart. See you later. Yep. And you do you you look great. <laughs> <laughs> you can't take you can't take that back now. You can't throw that out there. 
It's the weight. You just put on a little weight since the last time I saw you. That's all. You've gotten better I'll looking as the podcast is going on, Bart. <laughs> Have a great day. Take care, Rip. Bye. We have to wrap up this edition of the Westcon Football Podcast. Bart Pasternak, Coach Joe Loth, Pooch behind a glass, and, uh, you know, once again, we run into a, a gentleman who is a font yeah. of Westcon info. Yeah, no question. Longest podcaster in the history of podcasts. <laughs> that was a long one. Yeah. <laughs> we, can, we can always, here's the amazing thing about podcasts. You could turn them into two parties. You could turn them into a mini series. Okay, <laughs> yeah, he was great though. He really was. No, Rip is uh, Rip's one of the best. Good guy. He was contributed a lot, and uh, who knows? We may have Rip uh, part two down the road when when we've got about a month. Yeah, no question. You know to to, to record. Love you. Rip knows I love him. He knows it. Anyway, we're going to be back. Don't forget all of our wonderful sponsors, and let us tell you this. You never know who may turn up on the Westcom Football Podcast, right? We may have a special guest next week. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. You heard it from Coach. Folks, please come on back. Join us each and every week and let us know what may, you think. It might be a big announcement next week, too. Uh-oh. Tease. I, I love it when he does the tease. And <laughs> <laughs> give us your feedback, too. Westcom Football Podcast, Bart, Coach Loft, and the Pooch thanking you. Take care now. The Westcon Football Podcast is a production of WCSU Media, engineered by Peter Puccio and produced by Scott Volpe. Listen and subscribe on Spotify, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and anywhere you get your podcasts. Please rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts. It really helps us find new listeners. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at WCSU Podcasts, and feel free to reach out to us by email at podcasts at wcsu.edu. Thanks for listening.